the opinion line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Good morning. 1850-715-996 is the number to call. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control. And this news about the new variant has been a... Uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. That is the British Minister for Health, Matt Hancock, speaking on the BBC about this new variant of COVID-19, which we'll find out in just a moment isn't anything to panic about, but something to be very careful of. But he was speaking yesterday morning. On Saturday, Boris Johnson did something that he thought he'd never have to do. He swore he never would. He effectively cancelled Christmas for most of the population of England. Scotland shut itself down on Friday night into Saturday. Wales has gone into another lockdown. Northern Ireland goes into lockdown on St Stephen's Day. And we now have imposed a 48-hour travel ban on flights and ferries Uh, from the UK. Ferries will continue to carry freight and freight only and a list of a handful of different people who are allowed to travel particularly connected with that freight. Ireland, Germany, France, Italy, Holland, Belgium, they've all halted flights. The the measures do vary uh, and they're short term but they're likely to be extended. The French ban also affects the Channel Tunnel. So does the Netherlands. The Channel Tunnel is effectively shut. And we're hearing this morning that Canada, for example, will ban flights from Britain now. And Saudi Arabia has already done it. And it's spreading outside of Europe, this this ban on flights from the UK. For us, the Cabinet meets tomorrow when it's almost certain to extend the ban. And last night, people were getting caught up on it. Cork people were getting caught up in it. This is Shane. Shane is from Cork and is looking to move home from London permanently and was hoping to get home late last night. I'm moving home permanently and all I want to do is get home for Christmas. Um, we, 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 we booked the flight, we got there. The flight has been oversold um, and now there's about four to 500 probably Irish people waiting, um, waiting around, waiting for the government to approve a flight from BA to get us over to Dublin before 12 p.m. So please, please, please do this. We're within the rules. Government, if you're listening, please approve this flight. You have a lot of people who want to get home to see their families. Don't mess with our lives. Please, please, I'm begging you. Now, we know that after he made that video... Uh, British Airways flight was chartered with a couple of hundred people on it to get them home. We're still trying to find out if Shane was one of them. We have asked to speak this morning with Minister Simon Coveney. Understandably, we hear that he is slammed busy. I doubt that we'll be able to talk to him, but we'll see if we can get any political reaction this morning. But I want to know how you feel about all of this this morning. This is the most radical shutdown of travel since it all started. I was listening back uh, earlier this morning to the announcements that Taoiseach made, the then Taoiseach Leo Baradkar made on the 12th of March about closing schools, about closing public centres of, you know, public gatherings and museums and all that kind of thing. And, and then we had the lockdown announcement on the 27th of March. But this kind of a hard travel lockdown for 48 hours and probably to be extended, that's the first time, that's really the first time that this has happened. And even, we're almost certain now that it will be 
extended. Peter wants to know, what's the point of the ban? How many people have just moved their flights from the Republic to Belfast? They've stopped no one from coming in. Arlene Foster did say, I think this morning, there's a quote out there from Arlene Foster, the Northern Joint Northern First Minister, who said that closing down the North, like Peter suggests, isn't as easy as it sounds uh, in terms of supply chain. Well, obviously Belfast being a massive supply chain port for the whole of Northern Ireland and indeed the whole of the 32 counties because a lot of freight comes in through Belfast that comes down south as well. But at the moment, there are flights into Belfast. Casey was showing me a screenshot before we came to air of loads of flights coming in from Belfast. Northern Executive met last night virtually. Didn't make a decision on that, but a lot of pressure on the north now to shut down the the airports in Belfast and in Liverpool for 48 hours to try to to join in with the effort to squash this new development. Earlier this morning, I spoke with Professor Anthony Staines, regular on the programme since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I asked Professor Staines how worried we should be about this latest, these latest developments. Professor Staines, good morning. Thank you for taking our call. I wish it was under better circumstances. It's been a very, very troubling weekend for everybody. How worried should we be about the news from the UK of this new strain, this new virulent strain, and when their minister sits on a television programme and says it's out of control, how concerned should we be? I think the first thing is the new strain does not appear to cause any more severe disease. It's the nature of this virus, it comes in multiple strains, and this strain does not lead to more hospitalizations, more serious illness or more deaths than any of the other strains that are in common circulation, which is good news. It is possible, but it is not certain that it it spreads more readily from person to person, which is obviously a challenge. But the response to the challenge is exactly what we're doing now. So the actions we're taking now to stop spread of the existing strains of virus will have the same effect for this virus. It's not a magic virus. It won't leap tall buildings with a single bound. It goes from person to person in close contact in unventilated spaces if you spend long periods of time with other people, like the existing virus. People are frightened by hearing things about 70% more virulent and they ask, God, we're doing our best. Can people rest assured that what we're already doing is enough or do we need to do more? I think what we need, what we have not got in this country, and to be fair, in many other European countries, is a plan. Uh, uh, myself and a bunch of my colleagues wrote in The Lancet, which is a, a major medical journal on Saturday, about the need for a coordinated plan across Europe and the different pieces of that plan. And it's very much the things we've been urging in this country. We have a plan to bring the virus numbers down very sharply and then keep them down, ideally at zero if that can be done. And this is the plan that has worked in quite a number of other countries, mm. but it has not really been tried in Europe. And we're asking, we're asking, you know, the Cork Taoiseach, Michael Martin is a man for whom I have great respect, who has a very strong track record in public health. This, this would be an astonishing legacy for him to show leadership across Europe, because I think European governments are waiting for some one of their own, one of the government leaders to step up and say, we're going to try this. 
this is the zero COVID plan. Michal Martin has already said that he doesn't consider that feasible given the northern border. It, it is feasible. We've done a lot of work with people on both sides of the border. And the, yes, the border makes it more challenging. There's no doubt about that. But I think the, the issues in the north are, are their own issues, but they are, ta- they are now taking them very, very seriously. There are very straightforward techniques for managing borders. We've looked at Australia, where they haven't closed the borders between states in over a century until this year. Yeah. So they managed to close them in a way that kept life going. Because just as, as here, a lot of people who live close to the border, they might live one side and work the other, live one side and go to school the other. There, there's many contacts. So they brought in mechanisms to manage that. And it worked. It worked very, it worked not perfectly, not 100%, but it worked 90% very smoothly. And it brought the virus under control on both sides of their borders. I think you were suggesting, uh, according to the Sunday Independent anyway yesterday, that what we need to do now is go back into Level 5 from the 1st of January and stay there until St. Patrick's Day. That would be met with a collective groan, Professor. I think what's going to happen is whatever whatever anyone says, we are going to back into Level level 5 on January 1. And the trick there is to get something out of it. We've had six weeks of... significant substantial restrictions. We have failed to control the virus because we didn't have a plan. We didn't have a destination. We didn't have a direction. There's no put, the WHO keeps saying, and I absolutely agree, lockdowns are not the way to control this infection or any other infection. What they do is they buy you time to ample public health. Now, we didn't do that in March. We didn't do that in October. We need to do so what now. do we additionally need to do then? We probably need to spend something like 30 million bringing in extra a year, by the way. not At the moment, we're spending several hundred million a week on this. We need to spend about 30 million bringing in extra bodies to public health, to do regional public health, under the control of public health physicians, to do contact tracing. And you, you can train effective contact tracers in about two days. But it's having the local knowledge is essential. And we also got not contact tracing properly. We hear that they're only going back 48 hours, 72 at a push from the moment your case is confirmed. Surely we should be going back much further than that. Yes, we should. That's why we have so many cases in Ireland that we don't know where they were infected. So all the household transmission cases, all the community transmission cases... We don't know where those people got their infection from. We don't know, was it work? Was it a social event? Was it a pub? We, we just plain don't know. We need to know. What, what's missing is moving from a call centre model. And the call centre has been really useful and should stay. But we need to, make, to beef up the other end of the call centre. So we need to beef up the field staff, if you like. And we need to beef them up very substantially. And we need to beef them up this side of Christmas. You're talking about getting aggressive with contact tracing, like yeah. they did, and yeah. I've spoken many times now with Niall Conroy in Queensland. They got aggressive yeah. there. Yeah, and that's how you do it. I mean, there's no point doing half-hearted contact tracing. It doesn't work, especially with a virus that is relatively infectious. And this, this, this family of viruses is relatively infectious. Hmm. The, the new strain may be a little more infectious, 
but they're all rasly infectious. Yeah, you mentioned the new strain. I was going to come back to it, Professor. Mm. How do we know that it is not already here and spreading among us in Ireland? We don't. We're do- the, my colleagues in the virus reference laboratory are doing genetic testing on many viral samples. I haven't found it so far. Uh, at some point, it will probably turn up. But what's, what's really important is this is not cause for panic. This is not cause for despair. If this virus, is, if this new strain is isolated here, it is a little more infectious. Measles, by contrast, is something like 25 times more infectious okay. than this virus. Okay. This is maybe 30%, 0.3 times more infectious okay. than this virus. Well, so, that, that's reassurance, I think, for people. We've also had now this 48-hour ban on travel from the UK we consider it almost inevitable that it would be extended past Tuesday. Do you think it should be? Yes. And how long should it stay in place? I think that we need a travel ban across Europe and we need to keep it in place with 14-day quarantine in airport hotels for everyone coming in. For how long? Until we get the virus down to negligible levels across Europe. So that could be weeks, months where you can't actually fly. We, we reckon that if we did this in Ireland alone, we would be back at normal business by Paddy's Day. That, that's our best estimate, and probably a little before that. But that's what it takes. The alternative is we, we have, you know, we, instead of eight weeks lockdown in January, February, we have six weeks lockdown in January, February, and then we're back again. And then we have another lockdown in May, and then we're back again. Michael Martin said that mass vaccination will begin in August. And I think that's, pro- that's unfortunately very credible. This is obviously vaccination outside of the most vulnerable groups. This is vaccination outside of the most vulnerable groups. But that's what we need to control the spread of the virus. That's the only way to control the spread of the virus, long run. And that will transform everything. But it's not going to be done... It's not going to be at, a, at the necessary level till November next year. So by the grace of God, Christmas next year, this will all be a nightmare memory. Yeah. So that's why we need to act now. And, and this is on Tadish's desk. Professor, thank you. And to you and your crew and your family, have a good Christmas. Same to you, PJ. Thank you very much. God bless. Bye-bye. Professor Anthony Staines pretty much putting it up to Michal Martin to act now and act in a decisive way and keep this 48-hour ban in place long-term and impose mandatory quarantining long-term. Do you hear the point he's making in the earlier part of the interview? He believes, and bearing in mind Anthony Staines is a professor of public health, he, this is his job. He believes that the leaders of Europe are looking for one leader among them to say, no, we're going to do this. We're going to at least try this. And the others, he believes, will pile in in support. They're just waiting for one to have the awkward conversation, as it were. Arlene Foster, speaking on BBC's Good Morning Ulster this morning, said that a travel ban from GB to Northern Ireland is not a simple matter. There are downside consequences. We're at the end of a supply chain. There would be contractual and compensation issues. That was uh, on Twitter. That quote came from the BBC's Darren Marshall. One would suggest to... uh, 
First Minister Foster that perhaps you could look at what we've done here with regard to supply chain and freight. You can exempt supply chain and freight. You just don't let anything else in. So she has said this morning it's not a simple matter to ban the flights into Northern Ireland. But if you look at the list of flights coming into Belfast today from all over the UK, from literally all over the UK, there were those who were saying, why are we bothering? Because they'll just fly into Belfast or they'll fly into uh, Derry. And they will literally just come straight south, straight south. Ray says, this is too little too late now. They should have closed the travel last March. It's getting out of hand. What's the point of the ban, says Peter, for the same reason we were just talking about. And Jim says, the sooner we shut everything down, the better. We shouldn't be blaming different places for the spread of the virus, like pubs or schools. We should just close everything down and fight this together. I wonder, though, will Professor Staines get through to Micheál Martin? Be the one who has the difficult conversation and I was reminded listening to the professor there that, you know, Michal Martin was the one years ago who said we would get rid of smoking in public places. And people looked at him and said, you can't do that. You cannot do that. It won't work. It worked. It worked. So is the professor right? Are our EU leaders looking for one of their number to go, come on, lads, let's at least give it a go. Also, I hear where another expert and another regular on the opinion line, Sam McConkie, has said this morning that the schools should not reopen after Christmas. He's suggesting the schools should not reopen for the month of January. He, he said that we should attempt a zero COVID approach and that would involve not opening the schools for the month of January at least. And I'm just wondering, there are only two days left in the school year, today and tomorrow. Has anybody listening this morning made the decision to keep their kids at home? I know a lot of people were thinking about it in the last few weeks, but has the development of the weekend, has anybody said, I'm not sending them in, I'm not sending them in, I'm just going to keep them home? Has anybody made that decision for themselves this morning? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. I tweeted myself last night on my own personal Twitter. I am surprised, and I don't think it looks good, that the Cabinet is holding out on its meeting until Tuesday. It doesn't look good that they didn't meet at least in virtual form over the weekend or that they didn't bring it forward to today. I wasn't the only person, be they journalist or not, asking that question. My next guest... Uh, tweeted this morning, uh-oh, it looks like being one of those days. Sean Defoe, political correspondent. Sean, good morning to you. Good morning. It is going to be one of those days. Am I the only one expressing this concern that the Cabinet is still insisting on waiting till tomorrow to meet? Uh, no, and uh, I actually asked it of the Taoiseach on Friday. He was doing something at the North-South Ministerial Council, and even at that stage, before we got this announcement, before we really fully knew what this new strain of COVID was like and how bad it was in, in the UK. There were concerns that they were waiting until Tuesday more about the likes of, for example, the hospitality sector who don't know what yet they're going to be doing or when exactly they're going to be closed. 
And what he had to say was that ministers had their right to have their input and take a bit of time over the weekend to consider what they're doing. But I think now there's not a huge amount of an excuse for it. Obviously, they need an effort to feed into uh, some advice today or in the morning to Cabinet to decide actually what to do and how um, strict do you go now that we have this extra uh, wild card in there, if you like. But I think a lot of people will say, well, why isn't the Cabinet meeting? You took a full weekend basically to consider things. We know what it's like and we know what kind of decision they're going to make, so could you not get on with it? Because Neff had advised on Thursday, didn't they, that it w- you'd, you'd have to shut down hospitality again by about the 28th or 29th of December. The newspapers reporting Saturday and Sunday that that will be pushed back to the 30th. Now, I was talking to uh, someone in the hospitality sector on Friday night and they said, Jesus, lads, will you give us give us a date? Because I'm trying to order food on a daily mm. basis. What, what am I supposed to do with my suppliers? Yeah, it's a huge hassle for them because like, you might say, oh, sure, it's only a day or two. Well, a day or two you still have to order for, you still have to pay for, and you could be out of pocket for as well. Neffet's recommendation is the 28th, that, that all hospitality should close from the 28th and that house visits should be restricted to one household instead of the three households that they were uh, to be allowed and also that the travel ban should be reintroduced to people within their counties. The briefings before the weekend and certainly on Friday night, I, I have word from senior sources that what they were going to do was the 30th, as you mentioned, that... Uh, the hospitality sector would be allowed to stay open until then and that the travel uh, restrictions wouldn't be reintroduced actually uh, until into the new year, until the 3rd or the 6th of January in order basically to allow people who had travelled home, say if they were working in Dublin and from Cork and they'd gone home, they would still be allowed to travel up to go back to work on the 4th, um, Monday the 4th of January. That, it sounds like, might be revised. There's been no firm decision on that taken yet, but certainly Eamon Ryan was out this morning and suggested that they are still going to consider the bringing forward and I imagine in light of this new strain and the, the restrictions on the UK uh, it is going to have to be somewhat more severe than they planned before the weekend. How concerned will they be, Sean, that and I looked at it this morning, a full list of flights from the four corners of the UK into Belfast and people can just get into a car and, and drive south how concerned will they be about that in cabinet circles? Well, they're a big concern, but they're obviously not concerned enough to take a huge amount of action about it because they're not going to do anything with regard to... What can they do realistically, though? Well, this is the thing. I mean, you can't you can't exactly close the border as much as some people have said that you can close the border. They are have been in contact with their counterparts in Northern Ireland, obviously, before the weekend and over the weekend. And there is some sort of, I think, a constitutional issue or certainly a question about the legality from a Northern Ireland point of view about banning flights from other parts of the UK that is being examined. Uh, but in reality, I think all they can do is pretty much what they have done is ban the flights into the Republic, try to work with Northern Ireland, try to advise people as much as possible that if you were planning on coming home from the UK, don't and don't do that through the the uh, Northern Ireland vicariously because it's not the whole country you're putting at a risk, even though it is a little bit. You're also putting whoever you would be visiting uh, at risk, and that that's definitely the more dangerous part. You'd you'd wonder what what the problem is though with the North and what Arlene Foster has said this morning because Nicholas Sturgeon effectively announced at the weekend that Scotland is closed. Yeah, I, I don't really understand uh, the legalities of the difference of it. Uh, certainly, Arlene Foster seems to raise them. We know, obviously, she would have an ideological barrier to it, but you would think at this stage that the, the health considerations could overcome that, although given how little cooperation there has been from the north uh, and with aligning restrictions to the south, so then maybe that, that is it. But there does seem to be some wider issue she is referring to, although we don't have the detail of it yet. Now, regardless of what happens in the, in the north, the 48-hour travel ban into the south from the UK is it inevitable, Sean, that will be extended? Yes, I think so.
so and uh, Eamon Ryan has hinted at that this morning as well on the radio that this was a stopgap basically to allow the Cabinet to meet on Tuesday to allow everyone to get a bit more information as well because we still don't have a huge amount of information on this variant. There is the suggestion obviously that it is 70% more infectious. It's sped through London but London is something of a petri dish in itself and has been on quite lighter restrictions so you, you wonder how much is that playing into it as opposed to other areas where it hasn't seemed to have taken hold in other parts of the UK for example. So there's still a lot of it. It's almost like back to those first days when we're trying to figure out in March what exactly is this. Uh, we're trying to get the extent of what uh, this variant. Is it any more deadly? Certainly it doesn't seem to be in that the rise in hospitalizations hasn't been seen that you would expect with the rise in number of cases. But it's still a very early day. So I think the 48 hours was to buy a bit of time to consider and it's very likely that will be extended um, as they roll out some sort of a new level of restrictions or at least you get an idea of the dates of when things will be restricted again. Finally, Sean, your, your work brings you into daily contact, although virtually most of it these days, with, with our leaders, our very, very top people. How, what's your sense of how they're feeling right now? Is, is, there, is there concern? Are they in control? Is, is there panic? I, I don't think there is a sense of panic. There's a, there is a bit of um, a sort of a dejection almost. There had been this couple of weeks of optimism, you know, when we had a vaccine and we were kind of looking forward and things weren't too bad and now the plans are having to be changed on the hoof. So I think what I've picked up in the last 48 hours is a little bit of a sense that there was always going to be a bit more darkness before the dawn, if you like, and that we need to get through the, the, this next um, more panicky phase, this, this last wave of it, if it is the last wave of getting through. So, look, I don't think there is going to be a sense of panic, but there also needs to be a real consideration of what has to be done. Luckily, all those processes are there. It isn't while we are dealing with some sort of a new strain and some you know new emergence of things. Um, we have all the, the measures and the methods in place to actually deal with it better than we have at any other point. So I don't think there's panic, but there is certainly a lot of worry about where this will lead us and what January is going to look like now. And I think you'll see that manifest itself in, in tighter restrictions than haven't planned. Okay, thank you for that, Sean Defoe, a political correspondent. 185715996. So you can take it almost for for given that the travel ban into Ireland from the UK flight and freight, flight and, and ferry will be continued probably up to Christmas Eve, Christmas Day itself. Well, of course, everything stops Christmas Day, but probably up to Christmas Eve, you still won't, you won't be able to fly in and you won't be able to ferry in. Well, you might still be able to fly into the north. They've said up there this morning, Arlene Foster has said it's kind of not constitutionally possible to do it. Which is odd. Because Arlene Foster, or not Arlene Foster, but Nicola Sturgeon said at the weekend, well, sorry now, lads, Scotland is closed. Get in or stay out. And that was the holy all of it. 1850-715-996. Studies have shown, says this caller, that children being out of school would help. It, uh, it'll spread a lot quicker than if they're all... Oh, sorry, I misread that. Studies have shown that children being out of school wouldn't... I need to look at that one, uh, Terry. I can't quite get my head around what they're trying to say. Just move it around a bit for me and I'll read it after the break. Mary wants to talk, though. Hi, Mary. Good morning to you. Mary. Hello, Hello Mary. Yes, you... Hello, this is Maura. Sorry, Maura, Maura, I beg your pardon. What did you want yes. to say? Well, basically, I sent in an email very early this morning because I was reading the UK um, news online and saw the red alert areas that are not allowing you know, UK people to travel to their countries and vice versa and flights. Like, we have flights coming on to, to Northern Ireland, right? And my worry is that people will go up there, and as you clearly said this morning on the radio, that they're going to come down 
from the north of Ireland and they're going to come over the border. Now, Arlene Foster said that there's not much she can do about it because, yes, I agree, trade has to go ahead. It's a very crucial time. The freights have to come. But, like, over in Scotland, they're not actually allowing them to come up over the border. They've increased their police patrol this morning yeah. in order to stop you know, illegal travelling. That's what I said. Now, Nicola Sturgeon said it's effectively closed, like Scotland is closed. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, like, okay, we want to we want to promote free travel. Ireland. I thought we had to drive to the north in another couple of months' time. I don't want all this border control. But, like, the island of Ireland, they're still on the island of Ireland, whether it's belonging to the UK or not, it's still on the island of Ireland. And why don't we just stop everything coming onto our island like they did in New Zealand? They stopped it and nobody got in and wait until the government know what they're doing. Yeah. I, I have the medical background myself and I know, yes, we have to do lockdown because they are biding their time because they're only going from a hand-to-mouth existence with that as well. And yeah. like working in hospitals and the medical stuff, I know that you have to, you're, they're only learning by the day. Yeah. So I can appreciate all that side of it, very, very much so. But you think of all the elderly people in this country that are making massive sacrifices They'll come willy-nilly down over the border just for the sake of it. They just won't hold back. Yeah. So I think the whole thing should be on the island of Ireland and stop using that as just the UK and we can't, you know, the border. You, yes. you would have to feel terribly sorry also, wouldn't you, for people like students who were in the UK who had oh, planned I to fly home today right? or tomorrow for the Christmas and can't I now. And, I, and I, think the over, I think the overbooking of the flight is absolutely ridiculous. Because, I mean, that's very unfair to people. If you come to the airport and you're within the time limit, you expect to be able to get home. Of course, it's very disappointing for any person to have their plans, you know, changed at the last moment. And we all know what airports are like at the best of times. You can imagine the chaos. I was looking at a video of it last evening. It was just chaotic there. It would hate to have been there. Yeah. But, like, the point is, freight, I have no problem about. We do need trade. We do need our food supplies coming back and forth. Somebody in a freight truck comes over, delivers the goods and goes away. He's not frequenting. He's not socialising. Or she. They're not doing that. They're doing a trade. That's fine. I don't have a problem. But I do have a major problem with people coming over and then probably hiring a car or getting somebody to pick them up and bring them down here. Right? We're trying to contain something. Elderly people aren't being allowed to see their families in nursing homes. They have to stay in their own homes. They're restricted. If those poor people can make limitations and they have limited time left, yeah. surely everybody else can do the same thing. You know? yeah, Mary, I was I hearing think... last evening of particularly young like the students now, uh, young yeah. women in particular. I heard one particular case yeah. of a man who said to his daughter's friends, there's my credit card. I don't care how much it costs to get her home. Just get her to Belfast and I'll drive up and pick her up. Well, you see, how can I ask, answer that question? I have a daughter and son myself. And if I couldn't see them over the Christmas, I'd be very upset as well. Yeah. So we've made sacrifices in the last couple of months as well. So, I mean, if it comes to it and I had to do it, I'd have to do it. End yeah. of story. I'm yeah. sorry. I know it's an awful thing to say. But at the end of the day, my own daughter and son are very responsible themselves. And they both work in jobs that they have to be responsible with their health as well. Yeah. So if they can't do it, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I know I, I'm not being nasty or, how would I say, cold or anything. But I just feel if you have to make it, you know, if you have to make a sacrifice, you have to make a sacrifice. I mean, that gentleman, yes, of course he wants to go and bring his daughter back. But is he going to quarantine her? Is, is she not going to be in contact yeah. with elderly people? There was something on the paper this morning, the Irish papers, where there was a big gathering of youths, now again teenagers, and they were asked 
to say, okay, you've all met now at the weekend, you've all had your fun, you met your people, and you're going home now for Christmas. What about your granny and your granduncle and all these other people? Are you going to stay away from them now because you're going to put them in jeopardy? So, yeah. you know, it, it's a knock-on effect. It's, it, it know, is. And it's, it's a lesser of two evils, really, at the end of the day. It is, know? and this is, not, this is not the Christmas we expected or wanted or not the Christmas we dreamed about. Listen, Mary, thank you, or Mara, thank you very much for your call. Really do appreciate it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Right, we got this one. Caller thinks the schools should remain open. She says there are studies that children being out of school would actually increase the spread of COVID quicker than if they're all in a controlled environment. Also, the mental health charities for children and young adults have emphasised the needs of routine and of school. We need to focus on the mental aspect of this for our young people, which is great, caller, and I completely agree with you. The problem with schools isn't so much the controlled environment in the school, it's the school run. And uh, we had pictures come in in September when the schools went back of crowds outside school gates, parents intermingling with other parents. We had the pictures, so don't tell me it didn't happen. Outside school gates of crowds, far more than the 15 people that are allowed to meet and the social distancing left a bit to be desired. So there's your danger. Kate, you were supposed to fly from Stansted at half six this morning. Kate Lawler line, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Um, yeah, we were we were literally pulling up to the hotel in Stansted last night as um, we got word that uh, the borders were closing. So, you know, we're now on our way back to Worcester. Yeah, that must have been so disappointing. Disappointing, yes, but look, our health is our wealth and, uh, you know, we'll just have to make the most of it and have another Christmas another time. Yeah, who was coming, yourself and your husband? Yeah, and our one-year-old, so she was uh, getting her first Christmas back in Ireland, so uh, it, we'll just have to postpone it to when we are allowed to travel. And, you know, we, we've got to think of it. There's people in worse situations. We have each other, which is good. And, you know, I'm sure I can knock up something for Christmas. Who was at home waiting to see you all, Kate? Um, my mum and my dad and my sister and my husband Dan's family out in Inascara as well. So we'd planned to get our COVID tests this morning when we landed and isolate until our results came through. But alas, things have all changed. Yeah. You see, that a lot of people who were in that situation, some people even had had a COVID test at, in, in London or in Liverpool or wherever this weekend, a clear COVID test, and they were flying home in the knowledge they were safe to do so, and they're now stranded as well. They are, and, you know, that's, you know, a bit of comfort. We're not the only ones um, not travelling. There's an awful lot. Um, Stanford Airport this morning was extremely quiet, no planes taking off. An awful lot of grounded Ryanair uh, planes, yeah. and look, we, what was the atmosphere like? Were people, what, what was the mood like? Uh, the the mood, the hotel that we were staying in, they have fifty guests in their hotel tonight when they should have five hundred. And you know, a very sombre mood in the hotel. Um, I think everybody was very much resigned to the fact that they. They had to, plans were cancelled. But we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, what can you do? Where, where you live in, in Worcester, Kate, are you level three or are you gone to this new level four or what is it? We're level two currently, but I reckon in the next 24 hours things will change because it's changing so fast and at a pace. So, you know, um, I'm 
currently working there in the restaurant as well. We are allowed customers. Um, but I do reckon in the next 24 hours, things will change. It's a lot more stricter yeah. here with the, the restrictions. So, you know, I can't see it uh, getting any easier. Um, so, we, we, again, we, we'll have our little bubble and our little Christmas at home. And yeah. at least we have video calling and yeah. Zoom and all the rest. You, you mentioned it was the first Christmas at home for, for the one-year-old. What, what's, what's the baby's name, by the way? Rihanna. For Rihanna. So first first Christmas at home for Rihanna. When when you told Granny and Grandad that she wouldn't be coming and you weren't able to come, what was their reaction? Uh, they were very upset. Uh, you know, they were looking forward to having her home. Everything was ready to go. We had the video calls yesterday morning to see that everything was ready to go. So you know, they are they are upset. Um, but again, uh, we're going back to our health is more important yeah. than, than than trying to get on a ferry into Belfast or something like that. You know, it's it's yeah. just not worth it. Will you will you face a mad dash now to try and get a bit of turkey and ham together for the Christmas day? <laughs> it, it is. We're we're there trying to. We'll have to ring the butchers when we get back to see if we can. I'd say like the roast beef for Christmas day. But sure, look. Again. Well, you know, with the well, job you do, Kate, rustling up a dinner would be the last concern. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a Christmas cake, so at least that's sorted. <laughs> good, good. Have a bottle of wine yeah. or two. Exactly, and there's exactly. Something the, there's something on the telly, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. We'll miss, we'll miss the Tenora this year, though. Oh, stuff, of course, we'll yeah. <laughs> it's been a tough old nine months, hasn't it? I mean, you're... We we only have a notion of what it's been like in the UK, but actually living there on the ground, what's it been like? Um, it's 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 been harsh. Uh, it's been very quiet. Um, you know, businesses are struggling as they are in Ireland. Um, but there's this hangover of Brexit coming up now, and with uh, you've got Dover with queues of trucks and stuff. So it's very much the unknown of what's going to happen ahead of us. Um, I think uh, sometimes I feel uh, as an Irish person I know more of what's going on with Brexit Um, you know the guidelines have been very much all over the place we've tended to follow what's going on at home rather than what's going on here because it's just such confused messages coming out and and I guess as a chef Kate working so closely with food supply chains Brexit and this on top of it yeah, like, so take um, a night's I'm, sleep off you sometimes, that's it. It is, and we've just opened, the, the company I'm working with, we've just opened a new restaurant and we have uh, a big problem with wine supply, with Brexit, um, food supplies, there's an issue there now as well. Uh, some days things aren't getting in and we'll get it a couple of days later, so yeah. um, I think this week now we'll throw up an awful lot more, um, you know, the, the, not alone do we have COVID to to deal with. We also have the Brexit issue to deal with as well. Which is it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's mad times. Listen, it's safe home to Worcester and stay safe for the Christmas yep. and, and look and after wish, everybody. I'm wishing everyone back in Cork a Merry Christmas. All right, Kate, take care. That's Kate Lawler Line, a chef from Cork, living, married, working now in Worcester in the UK. We're supposed to fly home this morning at half past six, but they're on their way back to Worcester. Christmas is cancelled. 1850-715-996. Caller says, my niece travelled back from London on Saturday. The original flight in the afternoon was cancelled, so they were all moved to a later flight Saturday evening and there wasn't one vacant seat on board. 
Louise says unless the Republic gets into the same page with the UK, this won't end. The North are locking down at different times to the South, which is defeating the purpose. The North have said that they are going into a lockdown on St. Stephen's Day. But they'll still, they'll, they'll still, as we sit here, there will still be flights into the airports in the North on, on St. Stephen's Day and beyond St. Stephen's Day. So I think the, you'd, you'd wonder whether uh, people will respond or whether the Taoiseach will respond to Professor Anthony Stain's very clear call this morning on the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. Very clear call on the Cork Taoiseach, Michal Martin, to, to just be the one who raises his hand and says, we are going to try to eliminate this. The point he made in the interview he did with me there this morning was, well, he made a couple of very key points. One really important one, this new strain. First of all, his contacts at the National Virus Laboratory, they haven't found it yet. That's not to say it isn't here, but they haven't actually found it yet, even though they're looking for it. So that's good. But he also said, and it's very important, this is more transmissible, it's more infectious, but there is no evidence that it's any more dangerous which is good to hear, very good to hear. But Professor Staines, the gist of what he was saying to me was we have to get better at contact tracing, we have to go back more than the two days that we do now and get aggressive with it like they did in Australia. And he reckons we just shut down from the 1st of January and stay shut down until Patrick's Day and also that this 48-hour travel ban that's in place should remain in place with 14-day quarantine for essential travel until we get down to zero. And he reckons that if Michal Martin raises his hand and says, I want to do this, his European counterparts will say, Jesus, thank God someone said it. So he's made that call this morning on the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM on the Taoiseach to act. Do we think he will? Only time will tell. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Takeover. On Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. What we play. With Cork Dental Care, take the first step to smiling with confidence. See CorkDentalCare.com. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Just looking at my favourite weather app. I've mentioned it to you many times. Dark Sky. Looking at it... uh, in terms of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, Christmas Eve should be quite a bright, clear day in Cork with a few sunny spells, getting up to about six degrees in the afternoon. And the big day itself, Christmas Day, cloudy, cold, the odd clear spell throughout the day, max temperature of eight degrees and a frosty Christmas morning. But no sign of heavy rain and, yeah, definitely no snow. 
any precipitation that's the technical weather word for Ant and Fall now the sky lads uh, 2% 3% possibility in the evening and in the very early morning that's about the size of it but you can forget the white Christmas for another year 1850-715-996 the number to call the text to whatsapp 083-396-9696 email for the show opinion at 96fm.ie with the hashtag of OL96 if you want to get in touch with us on Facebook you can do that too send a message to the Cork's 96fm Facebook page and please if you can mark it for the attention of the opinion line we finish up on Friday for the Christmas we have a special Christmas Eve programme the work into putting it together at the moment it will be as best as we can achieve it a Covid free zone we will look at the news of the day as we always do and if there's anything in the news that we feel you need to hear about we'll bring it to you but otherwise it'll be pretty much a Covid free day and a lot of special guests lined up and a lot of seasonal fun and crack and a bit of extra music and stuff like that for Christmas Eve 9 to 12 here on The Opinion Line that's Friday. We have a lot of work to do between now and Friday. You'll remember earlier in the year we spoke with Amy. And Amy is Ellie's mom, little Ellie Boyan. And they were, they were trying to get together money through a GoFundMe to get her to America for this incredible surgery, SDR, Selective Dorsal Rhizotomy with the genius that is Dr. Park at the St. Louis Children's Hospital in Missouri. And we've talked many times over the years with parents of kids who've had this surgery. I'm thinking in terms of Katie in Cove, one of the first, her, when I spoke to her folks about it, it was one of the first time I've ever heard of the operation. It's a magnificent operation. And this guy, Park, is the best in the world at it, but it costs a lot of money to get there. Well, Ellie's family got the money together and she had her operation in September. How is she, Amy? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Ellie is doing really, really well now. She's a different child. The man's a genius, isn't he? He is, yeah. Having met him, he is a a professional. He is a a genius. Um, He is so focused on the children. Um, We are kind of our bystanders uh, in, in the whole process. But yeah, he, he took Ellie under his wing. He gave her the best care. The, the surgery was successful. Um, and thankfully now we are through the worst of it because it, it, it took its toll on Ellie. Mm. Um, so, so no, it's a hard surgery. It's a heavy surgery. It is, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a very big surgery for her. Um, I guess we were maybe a little naive in, in how big it was going to be. Um, Elliot had eye surgery previously, but she came around that in a in a couple of days. But this was this was this was very big. She couldn't roll over, couldn't sit up. She lost her ability to crawl. So we started at the beginning and have been working on it. She's been working on it I mean, uh, very very hard since then. Yeah. So, what stage is she at now in recovery? Ellie can stand now for thirty seconds unsupported. Fantastic. She couldn't stand before we went. At all? At all. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've gone from, from really uh, no hope to high hopes. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. And pain-wise, I mean, her, she no longer talks about the ouchies, the stretchy feelings. She, she actually said it to us in the car one day that they were gone um, and that Dr. Park had taken them away. Her legs are freer. She sleeps better. Um, I guess as parents, I guess in a year where we realise that um, we shouldn't take hugs for granted anymore, Ellie uh, has started giving us hugs. I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, and maybe I didn't totally realise it, but Ellie couldn't hug us. 
Oh. And we couldn't really hug Ellie. If if we wanted a kiss her, she would bend the head forward and we would give her a little kiss or going to bed at night. She wasn't very comfortable being beside us. And now we have to tell her she's squeezing us too tight. <laughs> so, I mean... That is for us. Was that as a part of her condition that she, she she hadn't the muscle power or something to hug you? Is that it? I I think so. I mean, wow. really, this focuses on her legs, but it does free up her her upper body as well. Like you can see, her arms are stronger, and I also think that it hurt her or it was uncomfortable for us to hug her back. Wow. Um. So yeah, I mean, that for us was is is just the greatest gift, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love her hugs now. Yeah. I mean, it was very hard when when she first had the surgery. She had to lie straight for a number of days. Yeah. Um, that was very distressing for her. So they put her into ICU yeah. to sedate her and look after her. And not being able to lift her. And we had to learn how to lift her after the surgery to protect her, her spine. Mm. Um, so, so it was like taking a newborn home. We were in the hospital for, for five days and then we brought her back to the apartment that we were renting and it was we were so nervous. Yeah. Um, How long did you have to stay out there, Ellie? We were there for we were there in total for a month. And then we came home and we we had to self isolate for two weeks. So we were away from home for six weeks in total. Mm. Um and then we came back and we just had to get into this thing of all the therapies that have been put in place thanks to everyone's funding for Ellie. We we do have Enable Ireland's resources but unfortunately, particularly with, with COVID at the moment, um, they're just not able to support children as they previously had yeah. due to the stresses on all the staff and staff being unable to come in even with a cold symptom. They have to stay out. So, uh-huh. so they're in, in trouble. But, but due to funding, we've been able to put lots of private resources in, in place. So Ellie is now going to the Barefoot Clinic three right. times a week for physiotherapy. Okay. So we're so lucky to have this on our doorstep. We, we know of another family who are up the country and they're traveling an hour and a half each way. Uh, twice a week to get physiotherapy for their child. That's, that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, really. Co- COVID, of course, yeah, like you said, you had to isolate when you came back for two mm. weeks, but COVID nearly scuppered it entirely, didn't it, through yeah. um, travel bans of, of at, the, at the American side? Yeah, so, so um, President Trump put in place um, a proclamation that nobody was allowed to travel into the US who aren't US citizens or who have been in Ireland for two weeks prior to travelling. So even though we got the funds together, we had this huge barrier of getting into the US. So that was very stressful for us. Um, But we were very lucky. Again, we were so lucky to be in Cork because we have a lot of private resources on our doorstep. We are so lucky to be from Carrigaline because we have two ministers in our community. We have Minister McGrath and Minister Coveney. And they worked tirelessly to get us into the US. They, we had calls at the weekend, late at night. Um, we had someone in the Department of Foreign Affairs working on our case. I have to say they were just fantastic. So They were, they were able to grease the wheels, which is brilliant. Oh, yeah. I mean, but even still, you know, they got us this letter from the American Embassy that said we could travel, but Border Patrol still decide if you get in or not. So we... We ended up going to the airport COVID-free and, and we're still unsure if we were going to get, get in even with this letter. So up until an hour before boarding the flight, we really weren't sure if we were going to, to get to the States. Crikey. Yeah. So it was, it was so literally one out. individual border officer at the other end or at this end, because you do pre-clearance, could say, no, sorry. Yeah. So you get your EFTA as you normally do. You know, being COVID-tested uh, three days before we left and and waiting for those results. So we got those results as we drove up to Dublin to say, okay, we're sending you through the email, you are COVID-free. Um, 
And then, yes, you, you go up to this one man. Um, and now we are very lucky. I, I don't know if people know this, but in, in Dublin Airport, the, the Dublin Airport Authority actually have support for, for passengers with dis- disabilities. So yes. we got this lovely lady called Denise who helped us through the airport. It was our first time travelling with Ellie. You know, it's always hard travelling with children, mm. but it can be a little bit harder. And she brought us along every single stage up yeah. to the time we were going to stand before Dublin that man airport at the are brilliant, though, and, in, and Cork Airport will do that for you too oh, if we ever have to do it. They're brilliant. Oh, They're brilliant. Hopefully, hopefully in the future we get to go on a proper holiday and yeah. we, we'll be able to do that in Cork Airport. Um, but Denise, this lady, walked us up and she, she guided us to the, the first man there and she said, this is the man for you. Yeah. And he was wonderful. We heard other passengers dealing with people. Two people didn't actually get on the flight. Um, two yeah, families yeah, never made it onto the flight. So the man that we got to help us through was wonderful and even gave Ellie a gift. Fantastic. So how lucky Fantastic. were we? Fantastic. There's someone trying to get in on your line there. So she's looking forward to Christmas. Santa will be coming and all of that. And will she have to go back to the States for more treatment or what's the story? Yeah, so we're not too sure. So if Ellie was that bit older, if Ellie was four years old, they would assess to see if she needed some ligament lengthening surgery. Because she's three, there's still a bit of elasticity in her, her ligaments. So it's a wait and see approach. So we may be back. Um, but if we do have to go back for this procedure, it's quite minor. She would be in and out in a day. She would be cast for a month afterwards. Um, it, it's it's not as serious. Do you know, every every procedure obviously is tough on children and you don't want them to have to go through it. But it wouldn't be something that would cause us too much concern. Do you know what? It's going to be one happy, regardless of the restrictions oh, under which we live, it's going to be one happy Christmas morning in your house. It's it's, it's wonderful. She wants a, a ballerina dream doll oh. uh, that thankfully uh, Santa can locate in Smith's. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what she's Fantastic. hoping for for Christmas. And she just, she's just been so wonderful. And yeah. for Great us... Great is a Christmas present for you, isn't it? Oh, this is, you know, from the moment we got her, her diagnosis there's been a dark cloud and that cloud has lifted. So, yeah, this is this is a wonderful Christmas. It's a Christmas for us to be so grateful and we are so very grateful to everyone who helped and she even spread the word helping Ellie. And, yeah, I mean, listen, we've done all we can do now for her. It's up to her to keep working hard and she is, she's just full of joy and and um, she's so enthusiastic and she really wants this for herself too. Yeah. You can tell she's a three-year-old, but she knows what she's Because all she it. wants to do is learn to dance. Well, you should see her dancing now. I mean, she's really? got... Yeah, she's still, she's, we've got these wonderful therapy bars now and she calls them her ballet bars and she's walking up and down them all the time and tondoing and doing her demi-plié <laughs> and learning to twist around in them. She's currently downstairs dressed up. That must be so much, so joyful for you to watch. Oh, it, it brings it brings so much joy, and even watching those that those times because when Ellie stands, we count, and you know we started counting to ten, and the fact that we're now counting to thirty, and I know she's got more in her, but she just decides not and sits down and laughs. But and even now she can clap her hands. This week she started clapping her hands while standing and singing Jingle Bells. I mean, that to us is just it's a miracle. It really is. It's, it's like a little Christmas miracle. Isn't it just? Listen, yeah. my regards. You have another youngster as well, I forget. And I had to stay with grandparents for six weeks. Yeah, Eve had to stay with mum and dad. Um, for how how old is Eve? Eve, uh, when we left, Eve was 16 months. Oh, very tiny. Yeah, so she didn't forgive me for about 48 hours. <laughs> um, but now she's clung to my hip again, so, so she's doing great. That was really hard, but... 
again, you know, look, we sold our house because we had to. We, we couldn't find a house. We still haven't found a house. Um, so we were at home. And it worked out so well for us because there was Eve in a very supportive environment that she's literally spent her whole life in yeah. with, with two people that she loves. And oh, so you're, with, well. you're staying with Granny and Granddad? Yeah, we so were, that, we're in a full house here. So you're sorted for Christmas Day. Everyone will be there. I, everyone, my sister's in London. Um, oh. Yeah, so look, every, every family is going to have their, their person that they're missing. And for us, it'll be my sister Jenny. She's going to be in her flat now in, in London. Um, had, she, had she been hoping to come home? Jenny was brilliant. Jenny actually came home when we went. So she came home, she did two weeks isolation and she helped mom and dad with Eve. Um, and just before she went back when we finally rejoined the fold, we actually celebrated our Christmas. We had Christmas dinner in October. No, what? Why not? Yeah, we had the roast turkey. We found crackers up in the attic from the previous ah, year. Brilliant. Because you know what? It's actually about the people sitting at the table. Isn't not it? the presents, nothing else. Um, yeah, so our Chris, we ha- we've had our Christmas. Santa still has to come here, and we'll still do the turkey. It'll be a bit different this year. Um, mm. But yeah, it's all about the It'll people. It'll be one hell of a happy one, though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I mean, the future is, is bright for Ellie. It's pain-free. Yeah. And, and, and even if she's continuing on with her magic carriage or some assistance, she will be able to walk long distances with it. She, you know, what we used to take for granted going down to Barry Collins Super Value and taking a stroll, that was slowly and surely diminishing on her because she wasn't able to take those steps. It was getting painful for her. And now she's far more free. So I look forward to when things are a bit more safe and she can walk around again and do her shopping and all the rest. But um, yeah, it's, it's just brilliant for us. Yeah, it was tough. Um, but it was just so worth it. I didn't see it when we came back first. I think we were a bit shell-shocked by the whole process. It was very tough on Ellie to watch. And watching her as a parent, you kind of say, have we done the right thing? Yes. The doubt creeps in. Um, But now we see the light. Now we see why so many parents encourage other parents to go for this. And I would encourage any parent out there whose child has cerebral palsy, um, to go and just get an assessment and see if their child is a suitable candidate and then from that make their decision. Isn't it dreadful, uh, Amy, that you can't have support from our our country, from the state, from the HSE, to go to Dr Park and get it? Yeah, I think I think Minister O'Gorman has, has, a, has a lot to look at now. And I mean, he is aware he has a child with special needs, um, different to, to Elle and a lot of children with physical needs, but he knows what it's like to be a parent um, and that we will do anything we can to give our children the best lives. So, yeah, they, he does. He needs to step back and he needs to look at access. And not even getting to Dr Park, access to basic therapies, enough physiotherapy, enough occupational therapy, speech and language therapy, there shouldn't be wait lists. You shouldn't be getting six week sessions, you know, once a week for six weeks and then having a break. Yeah. It, the break is, is not good. It needs to be every single week. It needs to be once or twice a week, depending on the child. Yeah. As often as necessary. As, not, as often as the child needs. You need yeah. to look at what the child needs and give them that therapy and, and support. So, so yeah. Yeah, there's, it, it's tough, it's tough. And I mean, like I said about that family, they're traveling three hours. Yeah. They all have other children. The children go to school, they hop in the car, drive down to Cork to give their child therapy and then drive back up. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that for yeah. anyone. No, um, and there's also rules in place whereby if your child is, say, getting play therapy, then they can't access speech and language therapy. They, it's one or the other. Ah, come on. 
So, yeah, I know of a, a, a dad whose child needs speech and language therapy, right. but even though they're in play therapy and they got the call to say speech and language therapy was there um, for them now, because the child was in their six sessions of play therapy, they missed the, their space for speech and that's, language. That's, until a bit the next like, that's a bit like saying the plumber can't come to fix your boiler because the electrician is in the house. Exactly. That exactly. makes no sense. No, and I mean, look, these... We, we, we all wish our children didn't need therapy. We, you know, we wish they had a, an easier life, but they do. And in order for them to, to thrive and to develop appropriately and keep up with their peers, they need this therapy. It's, it's a necessity in their lives. We all want them playing and having fun. And lucky for me, you know, in Barefoot, Ellie gets to play while, while going to her physiotherapy. She's lucky she's at that age, Fantastic. you know. And each, with her occupational therapy, we bring her down to the care farm at Castle Martyr and she gets to look after the animals while learning all her self-help skills, you know. And, like, we bring her to equine therapy to get up on the horses to build up her core. Um, and that's brilliant because the lady who runs it in, in equine interactions is, is a child psychologist. So while Ellie's up on the horse, she's, oh. she's helping her to process everything that she's been through. And we couldn't do all this without the donors. Okay. I mean, you know, therapy for Ellie, every session costs 50 euros, right. you know. So every even, you know, five euros, the, you know, the 10 people that gave us five euros help us put Ellie in physiotherapy for one session. And that is just brilliant. So we couldn't be here with, with the donors the donors are just 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 wonderful their okay. generosity and their kindness have okay. helped us and Ellie so so much alright well listen long may her successful recovery from surgery continue and I hope you have a happy happy Christmas and a bright and prosperous and healthy 2021. Thanks, Amy. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696. On Cork's 96FM. Kate says, aren't those parents just wonderful? Isn't it so sad we don't have a specialist in this country who could perform that surgery? Yeah, Dr. Park has done this for countless families and is ranked as the best in the world at that particular surgery. I think, and Antoinette and Cove will correct me if I'm wrong here, I think there's a doctor in the UK that does it. But I'm not sure. But certainly Dr. Park is, is the best in the world. At this surgery, I believe he also invented it, which is probably the best man to have it done with. 1850-715-996. Just a quick uh, mention, I had a, a request to tell you about this. The City of Cork Symphony Orchestra, uh, together with all of their various partners, present Carols by Candlelight 2020 on YouTube. Yes, YouTube on Tuesday at 9 o'clock, Tuesday at 9 o'clock. They normally have a fabulous concert every year down in Carrigaline with this. It's a beautiful night, uh, but of course can't be done this year like they normally do it. But they're going to do it, Carols by Candlelight, on YouTube, Tuesday 20th at, or 22nd actually, at 9 p.m. All right? Brilliant news. 1850-715-996. What the heck was going on on Little Island on Saturday evening. This made national news. Hundreds of people gathered at a car meet over the weekend 
in contravention of public health guidelines. Uh, Padraig O'Sullivan, Fianna Fáil TD. Padraig, you live down there, don't you, in Little Island? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, look, I spent 30-odd years living in Little Island. I live over in Dunkettle now, but it's only a stone's throw yeah. from where this happened, yeah. What happened? Um, so, I suppose just on Saturday night, around half seven, I was just going down to the local shop to get the usual milk, bread and whatever, and I suppose I just saw that the place was a hive of activity. Um, thought people might have been doing, you know, last minute shopping in the range or um, Harvey Normans or whatever they were doing. Um, but I suppose that the longer that I was around, I could see that, you know, there was a lot of these souped up cars revving and making noises and queues and queues of traffic coming in. So later I found out that this event allegedly was organised on social media um, where hundreds of people kind of just congregated in those large car parks that are around that commercial park um, yeah. and I suppose they had one of these car meets. Yeah. 250 vehicles apparently and nearly 700 people. Yeah, and th- those figures are from the guards. I suppose when I when I witnessed it on Twitter I was tweeting this, you know, I thought there was about 70 or 80 vehicles and maybe 200 people but obviously after I had left maybe after 20 minutes so maybe around 8 o'clock um, you know, things got even busier and um, as I was leaving you could see guards checking licenses of drivers coming in and out you could see them lifting bonnets you could see that they were stopping every car to see what you know what, what their business was I suppose and to be fair the guards tried to do their best to discourage people from kind of congregating in the one spot um, but, uh, but as you said the guard, guards themselves acknowledged that there were seven or 800 people at that event Is this something these meets that happens frequently down those car parks? We would have had an issue over the years with, you know, there's a large car park there by Harvey Norman, um, but maybe, you know, 20 or 30 vehicles revving engines at all hours of the night, that type of thing, doing skids um, and donuts. But to be fair, any time that the guards are asked to come down, they'll come down and they'll clear them. But there are residents living nearby, and I suppose they would suffer the most from that, but nothing akin to what happened at the weekend with, with 200-odd vehicles. Ordinarily, they might be 20, 30, 40. Um, I think the the guy they described this as a disgraceful gathering and with with that many people first of all completely in contravention of present rules on on gatherings Uh, no evidence or little evidence at least of social distancing the guys didn't arrest anybody do you think think they should have but I suppose just the adjectives you used there were actually the adjectives used by the guards themselves yes, in their own correct. statement, which which is rare enough, you know, that they would comment on things like that, um, which kind of says it all, really. You know, um, no, when I was there, there was very little evidence of social distancing. There were very few people wearing masks. There was people that had brought their younger children with them. Um, and I suppose, given the atmosphere it was, lots of cars, lots of revving of engines, lots of noise, People and it was a cold evening, so people were kind of huddling around in little groups and they were chatting away. And you know, it, like when you see the developments of the last 24, 36 hours here and in the UK, and the urgency of the situation in which we now find ourselves on the 21st of December, that was totally irresponsible and crackers to have something like that happening on Saturday night. Yeah, and I was listening to your program this morning with Professor Staines on earlier, and um, I suppose. The government had tried to give people the opportunity, you know, in the lead up to Christmas to have as ordinary a Christmas as possible, you know, in so far as you could. But I suppose instances like this um, completely fly in, that, fly in the face of that, you know. Uh, throughout this whole pandemic, we have to emphasise that people have been very good 
for the most part uh, and been very responsible but obviously this event completely flies in the face of it and it's an insult to all those people that have made those efforts over the last few weeks in particular mm. in the wind up to Christmas. You, you were listening to the interview with Professor Tains. I'm glad that you were because you have heard that he more or less said to Michal Martin it's over to you. He, he got the, he, he believes from talking to his public health colleagues around the EU that there is a mood there for some European leader to, to raise the hand and say, we need to do this differently. And we need to take the elimination route that they did in New Zealand and they did in Australia. And we need to do it on an EU basis. And Anthony Staines believes it just waits for one leader to do it. Do you think Michal Martin is that leader? Well, I suppose, look, at, I know you think that I'm trying to evade the question now when I say it, PJ, but there is a cabinet meeting in the morning where all this will be discussed. Um, and Nesset will, will have made recommendations to cabinet before that meeting. And if Nesset recommends that the Taoiseach and the cabinet take a certain course of action, then it, everything's on the table in that regard, I suppose. So, you didn't just um, dodge it. You didn't even address it. The point is, in your personal opinion, Podrick... And we know that Mehmet will advise and we know the Cabinet will decide. But in your personal opinion, your party leader, to put his hands up and say, we're going to go first. Anthony Staines, one of the most respected public health doctors in Europe, believes that there'd literally be a pylon of other European leaders say, Jesus, thank God Michal spoke up. Yeah, let's do this. Look, there is a ban on travel 48 hours by air. Um, that that is most likely going to be rolled out existing to him and Ryan over the weekend. He suggested that as well. How long that gets extended for, I don't know, PJ. That'll be decided at Cabinet. But if you're asking me my personal opinion, should that be extended at least for a couple of weeks? I, I, I definitely think it should be given strong consideration given the numbers that we're facing. All you know, right. like 750 cases last night. We're on a trajectory now where, you know, things are going to be very difficult in January unless, you know, severe yeah. steps are taken. All right. Leave it there for today, Padraig. Thank you very much. That's Padraig O'Sullivan, Fianna Fáil TD for Cork North Central. And yes, the Cabinet will meet tomorrow. And yes, Neffet will advise. And yes, the Civil Servants Committee will discuss everything. But you know what? Michal Martin said years ago, I'm going to ban smoking. And he did it. And across the EU, they said, you're mad, that can never be done. They've done it too. 1850-715-996. It's Christmas, someone said. Leave him alone. <laughs> it's not Christmas, yes. We're getting there. 1850-715-996. My son and his girlfriend went to a gastro pub in Douglas Saturday night for a meal. Their time was booked for half past six. The manager came down to them at ten past seven and told them to go. Is there more to that? 1850 996. I'd be interested in hearing if there's more to that. I was out myself Friday night uh, for a bit of grub with um, two good friends I hadn't seen in a while. Bit of grub, but a couple of pints. We were gone at uh, 20 to 11, they flashed the lights. We sat down at 9 and 20 to 11, roughly bang on time, they flashed the lights. And everyone, I never saw anything like it actually in an Irish bar before. We were in the, in the Briar Rose and the food was just magnificent, by the way. Compliments to the, to the Briar Rose people. But I never saw anything like it. The minute they flashed the lights, people started to drain their glasses and move. Like that was like being in, in England on your holidays 20 years ago. Where's everyone going? This is time to order four more pints. No, no, didn't happen. Didn't happen. 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Following sold-out concerts over the last four years, the annual Cork Opera House Christmas concert will be hosted online this December 19th to 21st. It ensures one of Cork's most recent festive traditions can continue in the comfort of your own home and tickets are available from Dice FM. Sirius Arts Centre in Cove has launched the exhibition A Common Town, A Common World, presenting it both on site and online via its Instagram page. It's also currently presenting Royal Cork Yacht Club, Queenstown Cove, an exhibition narrating the story of the yacht club with further information online at SiriusArtsCentre.ie. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96 FM. Caller says, My daughter and her boyfriend's hobby is their car. They do it up and then they drive it around to show it off. It is their thing. Just like going for a pint in a pub is another people's thing. That man talks a lot of sense. Not sure who you're referring to as talking a lot of sense, but I know loads of people like that whose car is their hobby and they spend a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of dedication on it. That's not quite the issue. The issue is 200 and of these cars gathered down a little island in the middle of a global pandemic when things are getting rapidly worse. And 700 and people involved in what the guard said was a disgraceful gathering. That's the problem. The longest night follows the shortest day. And that is why the Samaritans are hosting a special campaign today to mark the longest night and how tough it can be for some people. Their publicity and education officer here in Cork is Colin. Uh, Colin, good morning. PJ, a very good morning. How are you? Uh, good. Thanks for having us on. No, delighted to do so. These are worrying times. What kind of services are available to people? Well, PJ, as you may know, Samaritans provide you know emotional support uh, to anybody that would be perhaps in emotional distress or even struggling to cope um, or even the risk of suicide and we're available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, not only in Cork, but throughout the 13 branches uh, across the country. So what's the speci- specific nature of today's campaign, the 21st of December? Well, as you know, it's uh, solstice, and uh, solstice in Latin means sun standing still. So we have a very short daylight throughout the 21st but therefore we have a very long night so we think it's quite apt to use tonight to support and to let it be known that we're there to support anybody that's on their own or maybe suffering you know suffering um, and unable to cope so what we do is we hold a candle vigil normally we would camp out but with the with the pandemic etc we cannot do this so we've asked a lot of businesses in Ireland 
to light up their building in green. And we've been very lucky, as you've already mentioned, the City Hall, Blackrock Castle has been lit up. But so is the control tower up in the airport, both in Cork, Shannon and Dublin. We also have in Dublin the Convention Centre, Houston train station and the Rocket Cashel lighting up in green in recognition and in support of the people that, that, that need our, our help most. And you said the City Hall, yeah, and Blackrock Castle we think that will be lighting up as well tonight, yeah? That's correct, yeah. The trustees uh, have agreed to light it up, which is, which is absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of businesses that cannot... Um, maybe perhaps light up um, their buildings and you know we we put an appeal out there because we don't get government funding and we said look if you can't do your Christmas party with your staff or your team maybe you know decide to donate a few quid to the Samaritans to idonate.ie or maybe text the word Cork to 50 300 and and drop a couple of quid in yeah, because it must cost uh, a fortune to run your services it, it does it it costs north of 1.2 million to run the 13 branches and the branch that that i'm associated with in cork has in excess of 200 volunteers that give up their time um, manning the phones um answering the emails and doing face-to-face uh, meetings, you know, giving that service to the people of our community. Are you able to support everyone who calls in? Can people, for example, call to meet you in person, or is it all on the phone? Well, yes, ordinarily we, we, we do it on the phone, but we do face-to-face meetings, but obviously during the COVID-19, that face-to-face has had to stop just for the moment until until things change. But in the meantime they can phone us on a free phone number, which is 116123, or they can email us to joe, that's J-O, at samaritans.ie. Right. And you're in Coach Street there near the Mercy Hospital. That phone number, 116123, that's free from anywhere in the country? Free from anywhere in the country. And if somebody phones, we'll say, from the Midlands, whichever line is free, it could be Dublin, it could be Athlone, it could be Galway, it could be Tralee, it could be Cork, it could be Waterford, Kilkenny. Whichever line is free will pick up so that the person that's in distress isn't having to wait too long and there'll be somebody there to lend a listening ear and to support whoever's in distress. People talk about 24-7 services, Colin. Is it really 24-7? Uh, it, it certainly is, PJ. Our branch is open 24 hours a day, um, every day of the year, and... We have 200 fully trained um, volunteers that give their time and their ear. Um, and it's, it's the old saying, you know, when, when somebody mightn't, they could be on their own, they could be quite lonely perhaps, and they mightn't have anybody to talk to throughout the day or even throughout the week. And if they have an issue, if they have a problem, whatever it is, sometimes the old cliche, a problem shared is a problem halved. So it's great to see, and I commend my fellow volunteers, you know, for giving up their time and being there, giving that great and needed support. Do you have difficulty finding volunteers, or can you find them easily? Well, we're very lucky. Um, We have, within our outreach department, we do have a recruitment um, section which does advertise per year, but 
you know, word of mouth is great, and we're always looking for for good volunteers. We're looking for people that are willing to give up their time. For example, we're part, we also have part of an outreach program which goes out to the various uh, schools and colleges, and we give presentations. We do question and answer sessions. We even go to the prison uh, to be able to train some of the uh, inmates to be able to become listeners so that they too can then help their fellow uh, inmates um, and listen and give them the, the service um, uh, also. But, you know, e- even there yesterday down in Yall at the local market, Samaritans had a stand, and they're going to be at all the markets over the Christmas. So, you know, call pass, pick up a pen, pick up a band, co- uh, wristband, come and say hello. Every Everybody's welcome. But... This, this time of year can be particularly difficult, you know, for people. And throughout the year, but especially at Christmas and the dark evenings, etc. So, you know, think of us tonight, if you can light a candle or if you can put a bit of green light shining on some building. If you can't, donate a few pennies. And just remember that this is a service locally for the local community. And absolutely proud and delighted to be associated with the Samaritans in Cork. And delighted to have you with us, Colin. Thank you very much. That's Colin. He is their education and publicity officer for the Samaritans in Cork. Their number 24-7-365 and it is free. 116-123 or joe, J-O, at samaritans.ie 1850-715-996 Now there's a Christmas tree at a at a a cemetery in the north side and there's people are being invited to decorate it. Explain to me, Valerie Haynes, what's going on with this Christmas tree? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, There's a Christmas tree out in Kilcully for years um, and we just came off, myself and my sister Linda, and we just came up with this idea that, you know, every day we're passing it um, to the only place to go and that it'd be nice to see a little bit of colour on it. Yeah. So I put a post on Facebook to anyone that's in our, you know, not using baubles this year if you're changing colours, whatever, to donate them. So a lot of people did and right. um, we got a lot of stuff together. And we just went out one day and just put all the baubles on, a couple of lights and, you know, it brought, it brought a smile to people's faces. We'd be getting texts to say, oh, you know, it's nice to pass and see this, you know, yeah. coloured up and... This is, you know, of course, the Circle of Hope group. Yourself and your sister are involved in that. You set it up, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, we're involved in Circle of Hope there, um, I don't know, PJ, for the last few years. Um, so we did it We did it as a, a project for Circle um, for everyone to come out and put, you know, a bobble or whatever they wanted to do for their loved ones out there, for everyone in the cemetery, you know, mm. just to bring a little bit of joy to someone at a hard, tough time. Yeah, a little bit of colour and a sign that you're thinking. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. there. Is it, it, is the cemetery open with restrictions and all that? It is. Yeah. Um, we actually went to the office to the guys to, to what we were. They said that they were delighted to see it. You know, it's beautiful. Like, and um, there's a few pictures. Um, it's a it's it's a nice touch for everyone. You know, right. this year has been a tough year for everyone, and it, it's nice to bring a little bit of joy for someone. Great. You know, it's okay. nice. 
Great. If anybody wants to go and put a bauble or a, a light or something on that tree, they're welcome to do so up at St. Catherine's Cemetery in Kilcully. Valerie, thank you very much and my best as well to, to Linda, your sister, and all the family and everyone connected to Circle of Hope. Thank you very much for that. To rem- remind you again... If you need any support at these difficult times, we've spoke to the Samaritans. 116123 is their number. The HSE South has a free phone suicide prevention helpline. 1-800-742-745. Or, of course, there's Pieta. You can contact them also. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Stuff coming in with regard to Little Island Saturday night. I live in Little Island, says this message. There was mayhem. Young lads tearing around my estate, turning around and driving way too fast back out again. Completely reckless. Please don't read out my name. On restaurants, I was out for lunch with my son last week. After 45 minutes, the waitress brought us down the bill. I asked, how long do we have the table for? Although she'd said we had it for an hour and 15 minutes, she still seemed keen for us to pay and leave. Not nice. They were operating a walk-in service. I've heard of a few places doing that. The standard booking time you can get is a minute, an hour and is 145 minutes, whatever it is, an hour and 15 or an hour and 45, an hour and 45. But some places, particularly at lunchtime, have cut it to an hour and there's nothing to stop them doing that. But your food will be in your chest come back up the road, like. How's ever? 1850-715-996 is the number. The text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. Let's have something nice and seasonal and rather special. Clifford, that's kind of brightened up a dull old day. Good morning. PJ, good morning. Uh, you're yes, the founder of the choir. That's gorgeous. Well, you know, it's been a difficult year for uh, for everybody and for choirs, you know, in particular, because singing, obviously, is a, singing together is a risky pursuit during COVID-19. So we've had to be, like other choirs, we've had to find ways around that, PJ. But we decided we'd do something for for Christmas. Um, we're kind of a unique choir in the sense that we're a community choir, but the whole uh, raison d'etre for the choir, I suppose, is to bring people together uh, regardless of their nationality. Mm. And uh, we've about 24 nationalities in our choir. We've o- over 100 members. Um, and our, our our conductor, Lisa Dumphy, has her work cut out for her, uh, for her because uh, often, you know, English wouldn't be the first language of, obviously, uh, some of the members and so on. But Silent Night is great because um, 
most, um, I suppose, traditionally Christian-based countries have a version of Silent Night. Mm. It might it mightn't be exactly the same as, as as one we're used to. So we were able, PJ, to do Silent Night in Polish, German, Dutch, Portuguese, Lithuanian, Italian, Czech, Irish, and English. So. Oh. There's lines in The Silent Night in all those different languages. So it was very special. How did you get them all together? Obviously, you say you can't gather now. How did, how did you get Yeah. Well, I tell you something. You know, we're up here near Kilworth and the, uh, the army barracks and so on. The Irish army would have been proud of the logistical challenge and how it was carried out in terms of putting it together. Basically, um, there's a recording studio in Glanworth, Blackwater uh, Recording Studio. Mm. Uh, and when the restrictions uh, eased recently, we were able to get people up one by one. So literally one person would go in, sing there a couple of lines or whatever, PJ, and then uh, they would come out, the, 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 the mic uh, covers would be changed, the room would be ventilated. Duncan O'Clary, who runs that studio, would, would clean down the studio and then there'd be a bit of time, next person comes, so everybody had a slot, you know, an allocated time. Right. So it was done with military, military precision, and then Duncan miraculously put it all together. Wow, because it, it doesn't sound like it was all put together in bits like that. <laughs> no. It sounds like you stood around and said, let's go for this. It's brilliant. I know, and I mean, I had about 50 of the choir members would have taken part, which is, it's an, it was a big challenge. But, you know, it's so important. But it was amazing in that it gave everybody a focus and then as well, PJ, you know, the reason we did it, and, and, and this is very important in the context of everything that's happening at the moment with the new strain of the virus and the whole shebang, um, you know, it's, it's done for migrants away who can't come home to Cork this uh, Christmas and for their families here who are missing them. But also for migrants living in this area, in this county, who can't go home to their loved ones. You know, often, often the narrative is very much about people coming home but don't forget, you know, there's so many migrants living and working in, in Ireland who won't be able to go to see their loved ones as well. So, so it's 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 for both. And we asked people uh, who sang on the on the song to uh, make a poster, um, sending a message out, I suppose, from Fermoy to the world, um, a Christ, a, their particular Christmas wish uh, to their particular people, and. Um, then we got a, a local photographer, an amazing photographer called Sean Sharp, and he came. And again, we had the whole uh, the whole rows of, of pictures taking one by one. Yeah. And we put them all together on this online kind of. Thing. Yeah, this, so it's the, a lovely video. Kind of Just looking at it, there, it's lovely. a lovely, lovely video. Yeah. Yeah, it's, really yeah uh, it's very special. It's all, and it's all so, so well produced. Graham, good luck with it. You're you're up to all sorts of antics all the time, <laughs> yeah. pr- promoting diversity and promoting our international family, and you you deserve great credit for your work. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's the right thing to do, and it's enjoyable, PJ, and, and we'll, we'll all benefit from it in the long run. Um, and thank you so much for all your support and uh, and to the producers and everything in twenty twenty. You've been brilliant for us. Look after yourself. Happy Christmas and uh, best for twenty twenty one. Graham Clifford, Clifford, founder of the Fermoy International Choir. He's also behind the Sanctuary Runners Movement and many more things like it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Yeah, yeah. We will, we will, we we will play it again. Yeah.
National Choir. The mixing and production of 50 different pieces of audio by Duncan O'Clary. What a piece of work. That's lovely. And the video... Is there, will we share that, Terry? Have we shared it already? We'll share the video. That's gorgeous. Silent Night in nine languages from the Formoy International Choir. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. I asked earlier on whether any people had made the decision to keep their children home uh, today and tomorrow from school. Seniors, look, they're going to do the whole pile anyway. And they might feel safer keeping them at home before they all break up on Tuesday. Hi, PJ. Please don't give out my name. Yes, we have kept our kids at home. It's a no-brainer. Both will be at home, social distancing. We'll go for family walks away from everyone. We will follow the guidelines and meet with nobody over the Christmas period. So if most of us could do the same, how many cases could be reduced? I hope the education minister is listening to this. The myth of being safer in schools is so inaccurate. 1850-715-996. Thank you for that. Let us go and check in at Cork Airport and get the update on the present situation. Uh, Aer Lingus is operating to Heathrow today, I think, but all flights in from the UK are cancelled. Is that right, Kevin Cullinan? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yes, all flights from the UK are suspended during this 48-hour period, although Aer Lingus did operate to London Heathrow uh, today um, to repatriate people uh, back to the UK and in some cases make a limited number of connecting flights. But again, all flights from the UK are now cancelled. So there's a challenge for people that may have been using Heathrow as a hub uh, to connect onwards uh, for Christmas uh, their onward flight may be in jeopardy also. So it's, there's a knock-on effect for anyone travelling through Heathrow, which is obviously then driving more traffic onto the existing Amsterdam service uh, today and tomorrow uh, until we get clarity from the Cabinet meeting tomorrow whether this 48-hour suspension of flights will be continued. The feeling is that it's inevitable it will, though. Isn't that the way? Well, certainly it, it seems as if the, the government are taking today to take stock of all of the, the information and data available to them. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people in the UK um, that were planning to come back on the limited number of flights that are operating, uh, people that would have been maybe on short trips over over the weekend that were visiting family and friends. Uh, you've also a number of students, uh, Irish students, Cork students that would have been travelling in, in Wales, England and Scotland that were planning to come home in the coming days. Uh, and their plans now are really literally up in the air, uh, though I understand Simon Coveney has announced today that the government is working with uh, the Irish airlines to see if a number of repatriation flights yeah. can be organised uh, at short notice to bring those that may be stranded in the UK there is an emergency assistance line um, for people who may want information on that. Okay. It's a Dublin number. Yes. 
It's 61-31-700. That's Dublin 61-31-700 for those emergency assistance flights that the government is trying to organise with uh, Irish Airlines to bring people that may be stranded in the UK home in the next coming days. But uh, again, it's a very fluid situation, so our best advice to passengers is to stay very close to your airline, to your airline's website for the latest information and particularly to see what government decides tomorrow at their captain meeting mm. as to whether or not they lift the ban or whether they will be extended. I don't know if you heard Professor Anthony Staines on the programme this morning, Kevin, but he was saying that we need to keep this in place for the foreseeable or else compulsory 14-day quarantine in airport-type hotels for anybody coming in that's not an essential worker. Is that doable? Um, I think, first of all, we have to realise that there were very few people going to be travelling home anywhere this Christmas. Um, We were only going to see a tenth of the number we would have ordinarily seen. Uh, Coming into this week, it would have been less than 13,000 coming and going to Cork Airport this year. That's even going to be down now as a result of this 48-hour ban. And also the number of cases directly linked with international travel are are very minuscule at this stage. Mm. Um, We have been advocating, as you know, and I've spoken to you previously about pre-departure testing uh, and rapid pre-departure testing, um, an antigen test that could be taken at the airport and results given in 15 to 20 minutes. Um, That really would be a game changer to, 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 I suppose, continue the restoration of confidence in air travel and really connect uh, Cork and these, the rest of Munster with with the world again in the new year because we do need to get our economies moving again and sustain jobs here. Yeah. So you'll you'll know really tomorrow if it were a thing, and it's highly unlikely that it would be. But if it were a thing that the government were to end the the ban after the forty eight hours, like how busy would Wednesday and Thursday be? Wednesday we would have had four flights coming in from the UK, uh, two from Stansted with Ryanair, two uh, with Aer Lingus from Heathrow. Thursday we would had one with Ryanair, one with, with Aer Lingus. Um, now, if the ban is lifted, whether whether the flights that we will have lost, which is uh, three today and, and two tomorrow, whether they would be uh, reinstated or extra capacity or extra frequencies put in, on Wednesday, Thursday, it remains to be seen. The, the, uh, as we speak, we know our airline customers are in discussions with the Department of Transport to see what is feasible. Um, but tomorrow will bring uh, so hopefully some clarity on the situation as to what's to happen over the, the, the next three or four days. OK. Kevin, we'll catch up if there's any development um, over the next couple of days. 1850 Thank you. That's Kevin Cullinan, Communications Manager at Cork Airport. Uh, with regard to repatriation flights, um, they are special flights for people who have an urgent reason to get home. They did this in the first wave, and you have to have specific reasons to get home. You can't just say, listen, I need to get home because I want to see my granny. They are very specific. For one, one group, for example, people who've landed from in London, but we're coming home from maybe another part of Europe or another part of the world, and we're using London as a transit. They're stranded now, so a repatriation flight might be put in place for them. Or, or this lad, and we don't know whether he actually got it, this lad's name is Shane. He was actually coming home, not for Christmas, but permanently. I'm moving home permanently, and all I want to do is get home for Christmas. Um, we... we 
we, we booked the flight, we got there, the flight has been oversold, um, and now there's about four to five hundred probably Irish people waiting, um, waiting around, waiting for the government to approve a flight from BA to get us over to Dublin before 12pm. So please, please, please do this. We're within the rules. Government, if you're listening, please approve this flight. You have a lot of people who want to get home to see their families. Don't mess with our lives. Please, please, I'm begging you. Now, if you need any information on repatriation flights, Kevin gave me a number there. It's an emergency number set up in Dublin. It's 01-61-31-700. That's 01-61-31-700. If you need information on repatriation flights. I heard the interesting this morning, interesting comment this morning. Normally, in the Department of Foreign Affairs, there is one person on a phone desk around the clock. So, say from midnight to 7am, one person is detailed to be on the switchboard at the Department of Foreign Affairs for emergencies. That's 24-7-365. But last night and tonight, there are and there will be 10 people detailed to be on the phones at the DFA. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. KCN Ross in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On Cork's 96FM. Ross's wife sent video footage of him taking down the Christmas tree out of the attic. There's a mouse in the attic, and this is how he responds. You're the most unmanly man I've ever met in my life. Come on. <laughs> What you're doing right now is actually quite toxic. You what know. you're doing is you're reinforcing stereotypical gender roles, We're right? We're reinforcing what your wife says. And just because I'm biologically a man does not mean I have to behave a certain way because you're putting too much constraints on people's preconceptions Ooh. of what gender oh. is. Oh, Ross, it's so woke. Very deep. Yeah, so time so woke, Ross. Yeah, I am woke. I can't sleep because it's a bloody mouse in my attic. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at Noel DC Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, and a lot of people now coming in saying that they are keeping their children at home from school today and tomorrow. Catherine, hi PJS, I'm keeping her at home. We have several family members on immunosuppressants. It's not worth the risk with the way numbers are rising. She was in school on Friday, was due to attend today and uh, half day tomorrow. But it was the numbers when I saw yesterday. I really hope they consider moving the return date out to late January or February. Well, that's what Sam McConkie has been saying this morning, you've heard him in the morning news, uh, infectious disease specialist at the Royal College of Surgeons, Professor Sam McConkie. He's been a regular uh, guest on the opinion line as well uh, throughout the course of the last few months. He says schools should not reopen in January um, with the incidence rates the way they are right now. Remember that the, the incidence rates as well for younger people, people between age between 19 and 44 and you know one would contend that a lot of teachers particularly primary teachers would be aged in the under 44 bracket you would think not all but quite a number 
uh, in the incidence rate for people aged 19 to 44 has more than doubled in the space of 10 days. So a lot of people are saying that, Catherine, <clears throat> that the return to school should be delayed until maybe late January or even into February, including Professor Sam McCronkey. So far, there's no word from government on what will happen, although it's been a kind of a policy thing now since the very start of this particular government, the three-way coalition, that it will be schools will open regardless, and it will be only really last-ditch, last-gasp scenario to close the schools again. There's a determination there between Michal Martin and Norma Foley to keep the schools open at all costs. In response to the speculation with regard to the schools, in response to what Professor Sam McConkie has said with regard to the schools, and just in terms of what we were discussing before I went to that song, Minister Simon Coveney, this is Michael Lehan or Michal Lehan of RTE tweeting in the last while, Minister Simon Coveney has said it is very unlikely that school holidays would be extended and he'd be very surprised if the school term was interrupted. That's a tweet. Why? What is it their determination to keep the schools open at all costs? At all costs, they want to keep the schools open. You kind of wonder why they're so determined to keep the schools open. 1850-715. And yes, I know children need their education and I know the mental health argument. I know all that. I know all that. Those arguments have been had many times. But people are worried now. Parents are worried about sending their children into school. And what, with this new strain, possibly in our backyard, are the children going to bring home? So people are worried. And dismissing a query as to whether the schools might open, and in particular it appears to be dismissing one of the top infectious disease experts in the country, who says the schools should not reopen. Just dismissing that needs more explanation. 1850-715-996. There's something special in the sky this week. Something that hasn't been in the sky for nearly 800 years. And in fact, if you look up and you get a clear night sky tonight, you may just see it. The star of Bethlehem will be in the sky tonight. It hasn't happened in many, many, many years, nearly 800 years, in fact. The Star of Bethlehem will be in the sky tonight. Now, explain more about this, please, PJ. What is the Star of Bethlehem? Is it a real star? What is it? Danielle is one of the astronomers at Blackrock Castle Observatory. Danielle, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. It's not a real star, but it is something very special and something very rare. Yes, it's definitely very special, uh, and you're right, it's not a, a real star, but it will appear very, very bright in the sky, and it'll be just after sunset if you want to have a look in the southern sky, and if you're high enough up, you might be able to see two planets that are actually coming together. They'll be very, very close to the point where they'll look like one bright star in the sky, and like you said, this is a very special event because it's been a very long time since Jupiter and Saturn have been this close to each other. And is it that they've come closer together or they're just in a line? You know, the way looking at, looking at the sky, you're looking at lines of things and parallax, as they call it in physics. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, for the for us on the ground, it looks like they're coming together and they're getting close together. But it is that they're just lining up because uh, there are great distances between Jupiter and Saturn out in the solar system. But just the way from our perspective on Earth, it looks like those two will be right next to each other in the sky. How often does this happen, Danielle? So um, they do travel pretty close together in the sky, um, but we do, like you said, close to about 800 years ago, they were very close. They were closer than they are now in the sky. Um, And about 400 years ago, um, uh, about 397 years ago, actually, they were just as close as they are right now. Um, That's about five arc minutes in the sky, so we're about six arc minutes at the moment. Which means what's an arc minute for the benefit of people who don't know what that is? Yeah, so if you take a look at the sky and if you the moon, for example, if you divided that up into five pieces and took one piece of it, so a fifth of the moon, uh, that's how far apart Saturn and Jupiter will be tonight. So it is pretty close. Yeah, almost. To the naked eye, almost sitting on top of one another, really. Exactly, yep. Okay. So what will we, if we get a clear night, and I'm just looking at the weather, we, we, we possibly may not, but if we were to get a clear night, what would we see with the naked eye? So with the naked eye, it could appear to be just a big bright star in the sky, and it'll be close to right after the sunset because they're traveling pretty close to the sky at, at the moment. But they are pretty low to the horizon too. So you know, in Cork, we've got some hills here. So if you can get to a higher elevation just to be able to see above the hilltops, it'll be easier to see than if you're lower down. Right. If the sky's clear. About what time is the best time? Um, right about, if you go out maybe around four, uh, four to six would probably be your, your good window of opportunity if we get a clear spot. Oh, that early? Mm-hmm, yep, mm. just as the sun's going down. Unfortunately, uh, my, my weather app is telling me here it'd like to be raining. I know. Around that time. (laughs) This is the thing about astronomy, though. It always happens. Anytime there's something phenomenal happening in the sky, you get rain. (laughs) Now, do you guys at the observatory have the facilities to get a photograph of like this, of this happening? Yeah, so we were, so this is another thing too. Tonight is the closest, but they will be pretty close to each other over the coming nights as well. So if we do get a clear sky, go out and check it out. So yesterday we were trying to get some of the telescopes set up because you saw yesterday the sky was pretty good here. Yeah. So we had about five telescopes running here waiting with nice, clear, beautiful skies. And just as the sun went down, clouded over completely. So um, we didn't get to spot it here, but we did get some nice shots of the moon that we'll be putting out at least. Good, good, yeah. good. And it, it, it's a, it, it, like you said, it's just when something phenomenal like of this course. is happening, the flipping cloud comes in and we can't see Always. it. That Always. is exactly the way, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danielle, thanks for the explanation. Appreciate it. That's Danielle from the Black Rock Castle Observatory, one of their astronomers down there. Two planets will pass, well, to the naked eye, they look like, they're millions of miles apart, but they look like they're passing next to one another, almost sitting on top of each other. If you get a clear night and you get the light projected from one and the light projected from the other, and it looks like a giant star. And it's known as the Star of Bethlehem. Wouldn't it be fantastic if we got to see it? We probably won't, though. The weather looks fairly manky for the evening over Cork, unfortunately. It's a bit like Newgrange. Newgrange, normally you get a... It should have happened this morning. And... December 21st is is Newgrange Day where people get their names drawn out of a hat by the National Lottery and I don't know how many people, nine or ten people can fit into this tiny chamber in Newgrange and watch the sun coming in the window as it only does at this time of the year. 
Well, obviously you can't do it with COVID-19 and all that. So what they did was they got a camera in there. And what we realized, we kind of knew, but it happens on three mornings consecutively. On the 20th, 21st and 22nd of December in the chamber in Newgrange. And yesterday morning, they're running it on the OPW website. They got a stream and it was brilliant. You'll see it. If you look up their website, you'll see it. It was brilliant yesterday morning. They really came in and shone down the chamber. And a lovely bright sunlight. I'd say this morning might not have been so good. But they're going to try it again tomorrow because it's due to happen again tomorrow. You have to think back, you know. Who did that? Who designed that window? Who had the genius to be able to get that just right in, in Newgrange? And where are those brains gone? in tackling the likes of COVID-19. I know. Listener wants to know, who's going to mind the school, mind the kids, if the schools are closed? It's a genuine question, and it affects loads and loads of people. Who will mind the kids if the schools are closed? Unfortunately, the fact is, that's not their job. I've said it before and I've been slaughtered for it. I'm saying it again and I'll be slaughtered for it. It's not their job. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Do you remember last week we were talking to Lauren and her dad, Bertie? Uh, Lauren had written a letter to Santa. But in the letter to Santa, she had asked for nothing for herself. She'd said lovely things like that he hoped, she hoped that Santa and the elves and the reindeers would be staying safe and not to work too hard and all that. She didn't actually ask for anything for herself. And it was such a kind, thoughtful thing for a child to do. And we were contacted when we spoke to Lauren by Santa's little helper, Ted. And he had been in touch with the North Pole. And I think Ted, over the weekend, Santa himself, with you in place of him, of course, organised a little surprise. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good. What did yes. Santa What did Santa get you to do? Oh, he just said, uh, after your little chat there on Friday, to do a, a live call first. And, um, you know... We went down then on um, uh, Sunday, which was yesterday. Everything went well on the live call. So it was like an introduction and the, the girls were more chatty. And when they saw us, then there was fierce excitement. Mm. And uh, a few of the neighbours were out and the children from next door. So it was a great day. We were there for a good bit. And uh, we got a great welcome. And Peter the Elf was with me. He done a great job. And... Uh, yeah, just lovely to see them. We had a great old chat and, you know, we were like the three wise men. We came bearing gifts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's lovely to meet Bertie's wife, you know, and it was, it was a great occasion. Bert, like that. I on, really Bert. enjoyed it. Good. And Bertie... He's on, he's on, he's on the line there. He's on the, on the line there, Ted. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Ted was so impressed and, and passed it on 
to, to Santa, Bertie, that, you know, your, your little girl deserved a little treat for, for that wonderful letter. So, so what happened yesterday? Um, how you teach us all things. Yeah. Um, Santa's helper now came down in the afternoon with, with Peter the yeah? yeah. And um, it was just a lovely day, you know, all the kids from the estate kind of converged around the, the house and stuff. And, you know, I got a little present from Santa's helper and, and Peter the Elf, you know. Maybe in Lauren got a kind of a very generous gift, to be fair, you know. It was excellent. Yeah. And, and the cards as well, you know, the cards were absolutely beautiful. You know? They were made in the North Man, I think. Yeah. So, um, very impressive, though, and, and the kids were over the moon with it, you know. It was just, it was lovely, you know. Are they, off, yeah. are they off in school this morning there? Still in school, they're in school, yeah. yeah. Finishing, up, finishing up tomorrow. Finishing up tomorrow, no, yeah. They're on countdown, no. Yeah. And all excited? Oh, madness all around the place, yeah. Good. Organised madness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Even in these hard times, we can let them have their joy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's just lovely to see a bit of good nature as alive and well in the times we are in, you know. Ted, do you and the other helpers have a have a really busy few days ahead? Oh, we have indeed, yes, we have indeed. And as I say, it was a pleasure to go along and see Bertie and his wife. And um, we're doing Zoom calls now for Mary Mount and uh, for the, the Cork uh, City Community First Responders. We nearly finished up with them. And uh, we have to go to the North Man now, where Peter goes to school. And uh, this is, is their last, uh, their last it's full day, so it's a half day tomorrow, which is a great school, PJ. I'm on the board of management there, and uh, Mr. Colin Daly and the principal, Cal O'Brien, are actually introducing girls to the school in the new, um, after the summer, you know, which yeah. is great. Yeah. So I think that's great. We're visiting another little boy then. He's, he's, um, he's very, very weak heart. And uh, we're going visit, visiting him at Bishopstown. We might get Pascal Shee to go with us. But um, everything else is fine. Garden Joyce now is helping us, and, and the local community here are helping us at that. Uh, Tony Gardner and Garden is great at Garden Joyce from Sunnyside Boxing Club. He's a core metric as well. But um, we have to do um, we have to do a few more other places now like that for the elderly and other other yeah. schools like that so we're doing our best but it's lovely to go to Yall ah, lovely and there, Yall is you know? a great place yeah. to go at, at the best of times well it's very important Ted yeah. and again I think a lot of little boys and girls might not have slept very easily last night worried about flights and transport and bans none of yeah. this applies to the man himself special no, clearance no, from the North no. Pole no special special clearance everything is clear we know we're COVID free. We got our, our injections and everything is perfect like that. And all the chimneys are supposed to be clean around Cork. Let's just give out milk chocolate cookies this year, the chocolate chip cookies and milk. <laughs> like that. We're kind of bored with the normal cookies. And we're again very greedy. All silly right. old Santa. <laughs> all right. Ted, uh, representative on Earth of, of Santa yes, yes. and Bertie, uh, proud dad. Of Lauren and yeah, Libby, that, is that, it? All right, listen, listen. Congratulations on having such yeah. wonderful, beautiful children, and thank you, Ted Santa's little helper, for the special authorization from the North Pole to deliver a little treat to that wonderful family in Yall yesterday. Thanks, guys. Radio Five Live have been speaking to Neve Neve O'Neill.
is a nurse based in London on a COVID ward, in fact, in London, and and had hoped to get home for Christmas. We hope to possibly speak with Neve on the show tomorrow, but she has been speaking to BBC Radio 5 Live about not being able to get home. Here's hoping this link will work for so, me. So, yeah. um, my plan had been to fly home Christmas Eve, as I have done every year since I've been in London for the past three years. Um, so, I've been working um, working up until then. Um, but obviously, everything this week has kind of uh, put that aside, unfortunately. Um, you know, to be honest, like, I'm a nurse and I can understand the, the, the reasoning and the measures behind um, obviously a rise in infection we have to try and, and um, keep numbers down but at the same time it just seems so so sudden and I think people had got their hopes up and those who have been adhering to the, the rules and regulations is quite disheartening you know especially for those of us who who um, I suppose haven't seen our families in a long time as well it's quite important time of the year you know um, yeah, Christmas time absolutely. in Ireland anyway um, so you know for me I suppose I'm kind of I'm here on my own as well um, um, here in, in London you know so it kind of puts all of my whole my you know my intentions um, aside to be honest because I'll be alone on Christmas so I, I you know I don't really have a whole lot of options really only to work or, or stay on my own you know? so um, we are a bit short staffed at the moment um, so I'm kind of you know thinking that I might pick up one or two extra shifts and possibly use that money maybe to, to get home when it's a safe time to do so um, in the new year you know um, uh-huh. But, I, you know, I will try and keep in contact, obviously, on the day with FaceTime and WhatsApp with my family. But, uh, yeah, it, it's quite um, difficult because, you know, I, I've been really looking forward to that, as is everyone else, I'm sure, who's tuning in as well. I know the safety of my family and friends are a priority back in Ireland. And I wouldn't take any risks, um, you know, to, in any way if, if I had a doubt about, uh, you know, um, this new strain of the virus or, or, or whatsoever. So, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, um, it's, it's not great news, but... I'm just happy this Christmas, I suppose, my family are safe in Ireland. And look, if that's the price I have to pay, um, you know, that I don't get to spend this Christmas with, with them, you know, then then it's a price I'm willing to take as well if it means, you know, they're safe and healthy at home. That's Neve O'Neill. She's a nurse from Cork and she's working in the UK in a COVID ward in a hospital in London. Real frontline. Doesn't get much frontline than that. We will try to be speaking to Neve tomorrow and that was her speaking there earlier this morning to Radio 5 Live. Before I go do you know what I was watching at the weekend and I think it's still available tonight and you'll get it through a thing called Dice FM if you go to the Cork Opera House website. I watched their Christmas concert over the weekend. Such a wonderful bit of production and a bit of festive cheer uh, to a dull old weekend where the news wasn't good and I just want to point out one particular element of it. Uh, my good old friend, Kieran Birmingham, we were in school together, me and Kieran Birmingham, and I've watched him since our school days turn into a fabulous actor. Comedy, uh, you know, straight acting, you name it, he can do it. But on this particular uh, concert, he has taken Frank Kelly's old classic, The Christmas Countdown. And he has reinterpreted it himself in a, a spoken word piece. And it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And I used to say, right, I used to play Frank Kelly every Christmas Eve uh, because you can't have Christmas without that particular track. But I watched Kieran do it in the Christmas concert at Cork Opera House at the weekend. And I threw back my head and I laughed till the tears came. 
He's done a fabulous job on it. The whole concert's great. And there's that online, and there's Nanny Nelly's Christmas telly, and there's loads of stuff from the Everyman as well. There are many, many shows online, and it'll only cost you a couple of quid. Like, it's a tenner or something for a ticket. They send you a link, and you can watch it online. Also, Christmas Eve, we're filling up our guest list. Adam King will be on the opinion line with us Christmas Eve. The Taoiseach, Sonia O'Sullivan, will be on the... Uh, Opinion line with us on Christmas Eve. We may even have a special performance of Fairy Tale New York. We can't do live music in studio, but we can get it done outside. So we're lining up for a bit of fun on Friday or th- Thursday to finish out our week and head into our Christmas break. But for now, ah, it's been a dull. We hope to have more cheer and more festive fun for you on this Monday. But the news is what it is, and uh, we'll see how it develops in the next 24 hours and see where we go from here. But for now, the programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe. And we shall see you tomorrow morning. Just.